Now it's time for Tracy Martin from the New Zealand First Party. This morning I had my first of weekly chats with New Zealand First Minister Tracy Martin. There was a lot to talk about with the party having had its campaign launch over the weekend. I spoke to Tracy about the policy to introduce 1,000 frontline police officers, as well as the party's proposed modern version of the universal family benefit. We also discussed the New Zealand First announcement that the, new, the sexual violence legislation bill needs more work before the party would support it. For a brief recap, some of the things the bill would change are the restrictions around questioning the complainant about their sexual history with the accused and also allowing them to give evidence via video. The aim of the bill is to reduce the re-traumatisation of victims going through the court process. However, some are concerned about the impacts these changes would have on the accused's rights to a fair trial. The bill is currently at its second reading, having passed the select committee stage, and it was interesting to hear from Tracy the party's reasons for opposing the current bill as rather than being a substantive issue in the bill but more a procedural one, namely that it remained unchanged throughout the select committee process. You can hear more about that in the interview. However, with only weeks left in Parliament before the election, there are concerns of what delaying this piece of legislation might mean for victims. Now, in order to start the interview, however, we must jump back to that campaign announcement that happened over the weekend, where a large part of Winston Peters' speech focused on New Zealand First as an insurance against extremism in government. I asked Tracy what she thought of that claim. I've basically said the same thing. You should be afraid of a Labour Green government. Now, that's not because I don't work constructively with both members of the Green Party and members of the Labour Party, but because, from our perspective, um, the Green Party runs on ideology. So the Green Party has an ideological, uh, ideological um, stand on an issue and then tends to not want to veer from that ideology even if there are some practical problems with it. Um, so that is what he means. It is that, you know, from a New Zealand First perspective, in my caucus, we have people from, like, you know, most, uh, the, com the comment I get most is that I should be with Labour, right? And then I've got colleagues that are in my caucus that have obviously come out of national. So, um, and I've got some colleagues that are probably even further right than that, um, sitting in my caucus. But we bring all those perspectives to the table and come up with a practical solution to a problem. And that's what Winston was referring to with regard to um, extremism, is when you have people who run along a particular ideological bent and they're not prepared to look at the side effects to some of your population about that ideology, you need a moderating influence, and that is who we believe New Zealand First is. Mm, and he spoke also about how New Zealand First had played a role in stopping some ideas like the capital gains tax and the light rail from going through. But I know that um, political commentator Dr Bryce Edwards spoke out, seemed to think that the crux of the campaign launch was that New Zealand First will stop things, which he saw as a negative way to gain votes. And especially at yeah. the moment when there's so much focus on rebuilding the country, I wondered what your thoughts on his criticisms were. Well, I probably, Bryce obviously didn't um, go and have a look at... Um my presentation earlier in the day then, I suppose. Um, and, you know, Bryce has a perspective. Uh, but let's just go back to this. Go back to the coalition agreement. Go and have a look at what's in it with regard to um, raising the minimum wage. Who required this government to raise the minimum wage? It was New Zealand First. Um, go back to their coalition document and the 30-year conversation about educational outcome. Every single education change has flowed from that requirement. 
So, and every single thing that this government has done, and if, if people want to campaign and say Labour did this and the Greens did this, every single thing that they campaign on that they got done, they needed us to do it. So, you know, the $25 a week increase around main benefits, New Zealand First needed to agree with that. The $25 a week to, for supported, unsupported children and orphans, New Zealand First had to agree to that. And actually it was a New Zealand First minister that put it forward. The $1 billion into child protection in this country, a New Zealand First minister did that. So um, that's what, we ca what Winston was saying inside his speech was, there have absolutely been things that New Zealand First has disagreed with. And what I've tried to make sure that people understand is when we have stopped something, when we have disagreed with it, we've owned it. We've put out a press release on it. We've made a statement on it. We absolutely own it. We don't shy away from we stopped that. What I find fascinating is that some of my Labour colleagues and some of the Green Party colleagues know what has happened behind the scenes around some of the issues they want to advance. They know where the blockages are, and those blockages are not New Zealand first. But it's pretty easy. Those two parties there have obviously made a decision that they will tell the New Zealand public that anything they couldn't get organised inside their own caucuses, they're going to blame New Zealand first for. And all I'm saying to you and the rest of the people is, when we stopped something, we owned it. And I'll, I'll say what happened behind the scenes. Um, but, uh, you know, our colleagues seem to, um, if they haven't been able to deliver on their manifesto promises, we seem to be the whipping boy for that. They're talking about putting the brakes on things and making press releases about it. I understand there was a press release yesterday from New Zealand First in opposition to the sexual violence legislation bill passing in its current form. So, hang on, just let, let's just go back. So I made sure that that press release went out because I wanted the words on the record, OK? because it's not New Zealand First coming out in opposition to the Sexual Violence Legislation Bill. It's actually New Zealand First saying this is an incredibly important issue. It's important to the victims and those that accuse, and it's important to those who are accused. There are really long prison sentences, and um, this particular accusation will ruin you for life. Okay? So what I find fascinating, and this is the bit that because somebody told me James Shaw was on the uh, radio this morning again saying that New Zealand First has blocked this legislation. This legislation, we voted for it at first reading. We voted for it at first reading. People seem to forget that, to get it through to the select committee so that the select committee could take submissions from the public of New Zealand about whether this piece of legislation was fit for purpose. Would it do what the author of the piece of legislation wanted it to do? the select committee could not agree. Now, that doesn't happen very often. Normally, the select committee um, agrees on amendments to legislation. Very seldom does, does a piece of legislation come back to the House completely unchanged out of select committee, all right? But the select committee could not agree. Now, New Zealand First doesn't have a person on that select committee. So I didn't have a colleague who was able to keep the caucus informed about the, all the discussion that took place there and why the select committee could not agree. So I had Jan Logie on one side telling me why this was a great piece of legislation and Chris Pink on the other side explaining why he was going to put in supplementary order papers to change this and that and the other thing and wanting our support. 
So over a very short period of time, I spoke with the Chief Victims Advisor, I spoke with the Law Commission, I spoke with the Defence Lawyers, I read all of the information that Jan Logie's office gave me, I looked at international comparisons, I absorbed information over a three-week period, you know, literally, you know, um, slept with it, to try and get us to a place where we could move this issue forward. And I took that to my caucus yesterday. And the reality is, that we cannot rush this piece of legislation. So we're not saying we're stopping this legislation. We're saying that with three weeks left to go, it is inappropriate for something so incredibly important to rush it through under urgency, to push it through, if we're not confident as a parliament that it's good legislation. And if the select committee couldn't agree, then I would suggest to you that there's more people than just New Zealand First worried about that piece of legislation. I wanted to kind of touch on two last topics just before we finish, but I, I know another one of the campaign launch announcements was the introduction of 1,000 new frontline police officers. And I just kind of wondered how this tied in with the current tide of public opinion that we're seeing here and overseas following the Black Lives Matter movement to instead defund the police and instead put that money into communities to reduce crime. And I wondered how this kind of policy is at odds with that. Well, I suppose it depends what you think police do. So if you think that um, all they do is try to chase bad guys, then you might agree with what you just said. That's not what our police do, is it? So it might be a thousand more youth police, um, youth aid officers, right? It might be, because if we're talking about getting in earlier and supporting our communities earlier, um, I think people need to go and have a look at actually what the police do and much of what they do is crime prevention, as much as it is going in there um, when there's family violence and sexual violence or when, um, when there's gang trouble or whatever. So I think there needs to be that wider view of what police do. And the more police officers we have that are able to be down sitting in community as community constables, working with their local communities on major issues, before, on, well, minor issues before they become major issues, then the stronger our communities are, the, the fewer times things reach a peak of crisis um, where they do need to step up into that place that um, you're suggesting that they, they might only spend all their time. And then lastly, I know another important announcement for you as the Minister of Children was the Universal Family Benefit. Mm. And I wondered if you could explain a bit about what that is and how it differs from what the government has already got in place with the Best Start policy. Sure. So um, it won't be called the Universal Family Benefit. Um, we're just... <laughs> Uh, because that's obviously something from the past, but it, the reason why I articulated it and basically used that name is because it's what's recognisable for um, my generation and the generation before me. So um, what the Universal Family Benefit was, was um, a, a weekly amount that um, every child was entitled to. So every caregiver or main caregiver of a child was entitled to this weekly amount, right? And you could capitalise on it for your first home. So my parents' generation, that's how my parents' generation became one of the um, major homeowning... That's how New Zealand became one of the major homeowning nations on the planet, was actually the capitalisation of the universal family benefit. Um, so that's what we're talking about bringing back. At the moment, what we've got is $33 billion in social development payments that 
um, each family or each person has to jump through a particular hoop or fit a particular box to be able to get that one. So there's multiple lines, around about 20 lines of different supports, um, budget lines, for little boxes with little nuances in it. And what we're saying is, one, we need to support families better. We need to allow families to be homeowners, not just decide that we're going to have them as renters or in social housing. We want them to be, we want them to be able to own their own home because when they do that, they commit to community, crime goes down, children go to school more, volunteering goes up, all sorts of things happen when people own their own homes, right? Um, and what we recognise is that most of our families are paying more in rent than they would in a mortgage at current interest rates, but they can't get the deposit together um, because of how much they have to pay in rent. So this is a way to get them um, into, that, into that property market. Um, so that's the first thing. It also reinforces that as a nation we should be valuing our children and valuing those that care for them. Um, and, uh, and for me, as the Minister for Children, that's part of the change that we need to make here in New Zealand. We have actually, over the last 30 years, decided that going to work is going to be more valued by um, our nation than those who stay at home and care for their children. And we need to turn that around because that's adding a stress to our families. And in a post-COVID world, where there is going to be um, fewer jobs for a period of time until we can actually re-stimulate something else, uh, we feel that there is an opportunity here to, to switch that around. That was Tracy Martin from the New Zealand First Party. The Wire.